right, welcome back to From A to Arbitration. And let me start this uh, episode out with telling you that there's going to be some uh, explicit content, very explicit content, as far as language is concerned. Uh, it's dealing with an investigative interview I had during an arbitration. But I wanted to forewarn you that uh, it's very explicit. And so when it comes to the time that I'm going to read that, I'll let you know. And so if, if uh, foul language uh, upsets you or bothers you, uh, you can fast forward about uh, 30, 40 seconds. And it should be past it, okay? But I have to use this one because I want to show this. It's one of the most perfect examples of things that we miss in investigative interviews that we have to start doing a better job of catching. And it's so simple. It's so easy. Yet we missed it in this uh, investigative interview and in this arbitration. I'll tell you what happened during the arbitration when I tried to question the supervisor about it. But anyway, very explicit. Uh, the language is very explicit. So I wanted to forewarn you. Uh, I have it on my where I label my podcast, the episodes. I'll have it on there as well that there's explicit content. And so that way, you'll know that uh, if you don't want to listen to it, I understand, that's fine, but uh, I'm going to read it, and before I read it, I'll let you know that it's coming, and that way, if you want to, to fast forward about 30 or 40 seconds, it should be past it, okay? With that being said, this episode is dealing with, was a thorough investigation completed? It's the number one just cause principle to me, because there's a hundred things that we can get out of that. This is going to be a very long episode, but I'm going to get into several different aspects of the investigation that we need to start doing a better job of, of catching management, okay, and how they are not doing a thorough investigation. I want to read a, a, little, a little snippet <laughs> out of... Uh, the Defense is the Discipline book that I, I, I love so much and I read out of it. It's on page 24. Management failed to properly investigate before imposing discipline. And this is what it says. This is case number 01030. 01030. And anytime you're dealing with uh, just cause principles or things like that in management, we say doesn't meet one. This is a very good little, it's a very little paragraph, but it's fantastic verbiage. And here's what it says. It has been said that the real heart of procedural due process is not even a question of the employee's guilt or innocence. It is how the company goes about arriving at its decision. When the decision is to impose a penalty as severe as discharge, care must be taken that all the relevant facts and evidence are considered. Discharge without a complete investigation or without affording the employee an opportunity to be heard fall short of minimum standards. That's some of the very best language you can ever use when dealing with just cause principles, especially was a thorough investigation completed. That very first part, it has been said that the real heart of procedural due process is not even a question of the employee's guilt or innocence. Because I talked about in an earlier episode how management, they'll try to sell it to the arbitrator. He's guilty. What should the penalty be? And, and like I said, I've got an arbitrator. She was on our panel. That was her philosophy. They're guilty. So what are we going to do about it? It didn't matter about just cause. Didn't matter about due process. She didn't care. You're guilty. 
was the penalty. And it didn't matter how hard I tried to convince this bonehead that that's not how it works. This is how she ruled. And thank God she's off our panel. And I feel sorry for those of you that have her on your panel. She may be different with y'all. Maybe she just hated me. But anyway, use that language, okay? So let's get into, was a thorough investigation completed? And this is the language. And, and make sure that we pay very close attention to what I'm fixing to read to you, okay? I got several examples of how we're failing in this or what we need to do different or better, okay? This is what it says. It was a thorough investigation completed. Before administering the discipline, management must, there's that word again, must, must make an investigation to determine whether the employee committed the offense. Management must ensure that its investigation is thorough and objective. So now, there's two parts of that, right? Thorough and objective. We're going to cover both of those. Thorough and objective. So that just cause principle has two objectives, two things, two criteria that management must meet. Thorough and objective. That's what it must be. This is the employee's day in court privilege. That's the best language. This is what advocates use all the time when we're dealing with investigations in arbitration. This is the employee's day in court privilege. That's some of the most powerful language in Article 16. This is the employee's day in court. That That is advocates. I mean, that is just seared into our brain. Well, uh, this is the employee's day in court privilege, okay? Remember that. Employees have the right to know with reasonable detail what the charges are and to be given a reasonable opportunity to defend themselves before the discipline is initiated. Let me read that again. This is the employee's day in court privilege. Employees have the right. Okay? That's huge. It's our right. It's our right. So when we're talking about, when you're making contentions about just cause principles, and you have a very strong argument about was a thorough investigation completed, this is our, not only our day in court, but it is our right to know with reasonable detail what the charges are and to be given a reasonable opportunity to defend ourselves before the discipline is initiated. Of course, it says themselves, but I said ourselves. But before the discipline is initiated, here's, here's some examples for you of, of what we need to start looking for. One of the very best, and this is one that I talk about a lot too, is when management has us in the investigative interview and if you can recall, I had an arbitrator Roberts decision where he says that charge needs to be, tell me in detail what I did. So it can't move as the, as the case moves forward. Also, the investigative interview needs to tell me and give me an opportunity to defend myself against the total charge. That way it can't progress or it can't evolve as it goes forward. Here's a perfect example of that, okay? This is an arbitration I was going to have, and management reached out to us and pre-arbed it. But here, here's, I'm going to read an entire investigative interviews, and then what management said after the investigative interview, and then what the letter of charges said. So pay attention, okay? Here's the investigative interview. 
This is what it states. And now pay attention to the language that management cites or refers to. Okay. Pay attention to that language. And this is what you should do every time you get an investigative interview. It says, this is an investigative interview. Do you understand that the findings of this interview could lead to discipline, including and up to removal from the Postal Service? Answer, yes. ELM 665.3, Cooperation and Investigation, states, Employees must cooperate in any postal investigation, including Office of Inspector General investigations. Do you understand? Yes. On 10-3-2020, were you involved in a motor vehicle accident? Yeah. Are you aware that you are to conduct yourself in a safe manner? Of course. How did this accident occur? On 10-3, I was driving down this drive. I was turning into the driveway at this address. After delivering the package, I got back in my truck and began to back out. I hit a dip, which made my foot slip off the brake and onto the gas, causing me to hit a black BMW across the street from this address. Question, were you pulled into the driveway of that address, correct? Yes. Can you please tell me what the backing policy is at the United States Postal Service? Don't back from missed deliveries and missed boxes. Check before backing, avoid, and only do it when it is necessary. Question, now is your opportunity to explain why you put yourself in an unnecessary backing situation. Answer, it's a narrow road, so I wouldn't block traffic. Question, you have been instructed that if you must back your LOV that you do this backing prior to dismount. Why didn't you back prior to dismounting your LLV? It was a short driveway, so you couldn't three-point turn. The only reason I did it was because the road is narrow and there was traffic behind me. What actions did you take to avoid this backing? Nothing really could have been done. Is there anything else you would like to add? No. So in that investigation, investigative interview, you've got ELM 665, Cooperation and Investigation, right? That's the only one you've got. That's the only ELM language or any kind of language cited. So they come back later, and they do another investigative interview on this same individual. And so here's the, here's the new investigative interview, the one that's done at a later time. This is what it states. This is an investigative interview. Do you understand that the findings of this interview could lead to discipline, including and up to removal from the Postal Service? Yes. ELM 665.3, Cooperation and Investigation, states... Employees must cooperate in any postal investigation, including Office of Inspector General Investigations. Do you understand? Yes. During your investigative interview on 10-5, you informed Supervisor so-and-so that you had to pull into the driveway in order to avoid blocking traffic, correct? Roger. Could you have parked your LLV behind the car that you backed into? Not at the time. I was beside it and the car is behind me. Could you have parked your LOV in front of the car that you backed into? No. Then I would have been blocking a driveway. What about past the driveway? I would have been to the next house. I was trying to get out of the way of traffic. Is there anything you would like to add? Nothing. I did was unsafe. I followed the rules. My foot bounced off the brake. I followed the rules that applied. So those are, the, those are the two investigative interviews. This is the gentleman's day in court, right? So they ask him on both investigative interviews about 665 cooperation investigations, okay? 
That's the only language that was asked about in this investigative interview. Here's the summary of the, of the supervisor, the requesting official. And it, and it reads in part, this is page two. I find Gonzalez in violation of ELM 814.2, responsibility section. Complying with all OSHA and Postal Service safety and health regulations, procedure and practices, and then she goes on to state that. So now we've got 814.2. She says, I also find Gonzalez in violation of ELM 831.332. So neither one of those was asked about in the investigative interview. ELM 814.2, ELM 831.332. This is the first time that we're hearing about those sections of the ELM. He was never asked about those in his day in court. So you have those two, 814.2, 831.332. Here's the letter of charges. This is what it states. They give a little synopsis about what happened. And here's, here's the letter of charges. This is what he gets. Now, now remember, this is the charge. You know where it states uh, this is the employee's day in court privilege? Employees have the right to know with reasonable detail what the charges are and to be given a reasonable opportunity to defend themselves before the discipline is initiated. Here's the charge. Here's what they write. Your actions, as described above, are in violation of the following Postal Service regulations. Employer and Labor Relations Manual. ELM section 665.13, discharge of duties. That was never asked about in the investigative interview, and that was not one that the supervisor sent up with her request for appropriate action saying that he violated. Okay? Wasn't in the investigative interview, and it was not in her notes that were sent up with a request for appropriate action. Goes on. Section 665.15, obedience to orders. That was not asked about in the investigative interview. And that was not one of the ones that she sent up with a request for appropriate action saying that he violated. Those two are new. Now here's the two that she said. Section 814.2 responsibilities. Section 831.332 driving responsibilities. Those are the two that she said in her notes that he violated. But those still are not any that she asked about in the investigative interview. It goes on. Handbook M41. Handbook City Delivery Carriers Duties and Responsibilities. So this is the first time we're hearing about the M41. Section 112.2, diligence and promptness. Obey the instructions of your manager. That is not one that they questioned him about in the investigative interview. And that is not one that she cited in her notes that she sent up with a request for appropriate action. That one's brand new. Here's another one. Handbook EL 814, Post Employees Guide to Safety. Section I, General Safety Rules. That was not asked about in the investigative interview, and that is not one that she cited in her notes that she sent up with a request for appropriate action. Section X of EL 814, Motor Vehicles. That is not one that was asked about in the investigative interview or that was cited by her in her notes that was sent up with a request for appropriate action. We didn't address that in these contentions. Anytime you see that, Anytime you see management do that, jump all over that. Jump all over that. This man was not given an opportunity to defend himself against those provisions. I believe, and arbitrators, a lot of arbitrators believe, as I do, 
that you have to give the gentleman or whoever an opportunity to defend themselves against those. I have a decision. I had this very thing in an arbitration once. It was arbitrator Louise Wolitz. And I did that on cross-examination. Well, at first on cross-examination, I had these, all of these sections, all these provisions written down. And I told the witness, management's witness, I start asking her if she can tell me what these mean. She starts to open up the case file. And I said, ma'am, if you don't mind, don't open up the case file. I want you to tell the arbitrator what these mean. Well, I don't know what they mean if I can't see them. I said, but yet you did the same thing to this gentleman. He never saw them. He was never given a chance to defend himself against them. Yet you still cited those against him in his removal action. So I set her up like that. And here's what the arbitrator said on cross-examination. And, and this is twofold. These are two things that I, that I question them about. And this is something you need to pay attention to also in the investigative interview. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. On cross-examination, Supervisor Reed acknowledged that there is no specific provision that she referred to that says specifically that a carrier must report a lost arrow key to a supervisor. She said that she told them that her and her service talk, that's always what management will say. That they always just have just given a service talk on the very thing that the carrier did. It's, it's miraculous. She acknowledged that the service talk on page 70 does not specifically say that they must notify their supervisor. Mr. Edgerson clocked out and left. He looked for the arrow key off the clock. There is language in the M39 and the M41 on accountables. Arrow keys are accountable items. Supervisor Reed acknowledged that it does not say that a carrier must report a lost item to a supervisor. She acknowledged that it does not say what carriers are supposed to do. Supervisor Reed said that at the investigative interview, Mr. Edgerson acknowledged that there was a supervisor on duty. It says in the notice of removal, pay attention, you acknowledge that there was a supervisor on duty when you returned to the office and failed to clear the accountable cage. You said you did not know why you did not notify the supervisor of the lost arrow key. You said you told the clerk. Here's where we called him. The notes on the investigative interview do not say that he said that a supervisor was on duty. Question five asks, upon return to office, did you clear the accountable cage? Was the supervisor on duty notified that you lost your arrow key? If not, why? Mr. Edgerson answered, yes, I don't know. I told the clerk. We note that, in fact, he said he, did not, he didn't know if a supervisor was on duty. Supervisor Reed said on cross-examination, guess he didn't acknowledge that. Supervisor Reed acknowledged that the investigative interview should not specifically ask Mr. Edgerson. Let me stop right there because we're fixing to get into that language. But don't let management ask carrier two questions and one question. If they ask them two questions and one question, stop them and tell them to separate that because this is what happens. This is what they try to get this young man on. They asked him two questions. They said, upon return to the office, did you clear the accountable cage? Was the supervisor on duty notified that you lost your arrow key? If not, why? As soon as that question is asked, you need to stop him and say, hang on, you just asked him two questions. Let him answer one, and then we're going to ask him another, and we're going to let him answer the next one, okay? 
Again, if they tell you to be quiet, say, okay, thank you, and be quiet and notate that. But don't let them ask two questions in the same question, all right? Because what's going to happen is exactly what happened here. And, of course, we caught them on it, and so she, she notated that. But, and here's what I got on about the LM language. Supervisor Reed acknowledged that in the investigative interview, she did not specifically ask Mr. Edgerson about ELM 66513, discharge of duties. She said that she didn't ask him about ELM 66515, obedience to orders. She acknowledged that neither of these provisions were referred to in her notes on the investigative interview. Supervisor Reed also acknowledged that she did not specifically ask him about M41-1121 or 112-2. We note that the first question on the investigative interview reads, are you aware of the M41-1123, 112-31, and 112-32? Security, that you must protect all mail, money, and equipment entrusted to your care, and that you must return all mail, money, and equipment to the post office at the end of the work day. Mr. Edgerson answered yes. Supervisor Reed said that she did the disciplinary action request on this day, the same day as the investigative interview. The disciplinary action request lists the rules violated as ELM 66513, 66515, M41-1121, 112.1, 112.32. Supervisor Reed acknowledged that she did not ask him about these rules at the investigative interview, with the exception of M41-1231 and 112.32. She never asked Mr. Edgerson about the rules cited in the notice of removal. We note those rules are M39-66513, 66515, M41-1121, 112-2. Now, every bit of that was new argument by me. Every bit of that, I'm hoping and praying that management doesn't object because that was never asked about, and management didn't object. So I got all that in there. And here's what she ruled. The union points out in its brief that the Postal Service cites different provisions in the investigative interview, the disciplinary action request, and the notice of removal, and that it never questioned Mr. Edgerson on the provisions he is charged with violating in the notice of removal. ELM 66513, ELM 66515, M41-1121, and 112-2. Supervisor Reed acknowledged on cross-examination that she did not ask Mr. Edgerson about violating these specific rules at the investigative interview. The union points out that this is a violation of Edgerson's due process rights to be informed of the charges against him and to be able to provide a defense against these charges. The investigative interview is his opportunity to do that, but he was not asked about the provisions which he was charged with violating. We note a companion problem to this. The Postal Service has not proven that Mr. Edgerson has violated the provisions he was charged with violating, with the possible exception of 66513. Employees are expected to discharge their assigned duties conscientiously and effectively. So she does hold that against management. That's how important that is. That's how important that is that we, we catch those things. We don't let them slide by, right? Another time I had an arbitration. It was a bad one. Had a young lady, had uh, the postal inspectors had in, and put in cameras in her vehicle and were watching her for a period of time. And during this period of time, she was drinking out of a flask. You'd have to assume that it was alcohol, but they didn't know. Uh, I say it was water because it was hot. But anyway, 
She was drinking out of a flask. Big problem was she was tearing pages out of customers' catalogs. And she was rolling what appeared to be joints, marijuana joints. Of course, she couldn't tell if it was tobacco or if it was marijuana. And she would smoke those while she was out on the route. That's terrible. But um, then she would pull out a keychain. Every one of her scan points was on this keychain. So she'd just be driving around, she'd pull over, smoking this long-ass joint, what looked like a joint, and uh, scan this barcode. And uh, so she did this for a period of time. Finally, they come up on her like SWAT. They pull in front of her, pull behind her, get her out, searching through her bag, her purse, and find a uh, a bag of marijuana in it. And uh, the flask smells what appeared to be uh, like it had alcohol in it, okay? So she's in trouble. So I get this case, and I notice in the investigative interview... This was the question. Are you aware that you're not supposed to drink alcohol while on duty? Yes. Are you aware that you're not supposed to smoke or use any illegal substance or whatever on duty? Yes. Are you aware that you're not, have to, uh, that you're not allowed to have in your possession illegal drugs while on duty? Yes. Are you aware that you're not supposed to have your scan points on your person, that they're supposed to be in the designated places? Yes. So when we get to a hearing, I asked the supervisor if she did a thorough investigation. She said, yes, I did. And I said, do you feel comfortable with the investigation that you did? Yes, I did. I said, uh, have you ever seen anything like this before? No, I haven't. I said, me neither. So let's go to the investigative interview. So let's, let's start looking at these questions. You asked her if she's aware that she's not supposed to drink alcohol while on duty. That's right. I said, are you aware that you're not supposed to drink alcohol while you're on duty? Well, yeah. Does that mean you did it? No. I said, can you show me where you asked her if she did drink alcohol while on duty? Well, no. I said, don't you think that's kind of important to, to give her a chance to answer that, this is her day in court, right? This is the time where, where she's uh, supposed to be given a reasonable opportunity to defend herself before the discipline is issued, yet you never asked her if she drank alcohol while on duty. No. I said, are you aware that you're not supposed to use illicit drugs or illegal drugs while on duty? Yes. I said, does that mean that you did them? Well, No. I said, can you show me where you asked her if she did them? No, I didn't ask her. I said, don't you think that's kind of important to at least ask her if she was smoking marijuana while on duty? They never asked her if she actually did them. They just asked her if she was aware of it. We didn't catch that at the lower steps. Those are easy things that we've got to pay attention to. If you care about your job as a shop steward, if, if you give a damn, those are simple things. You look at the investigative interview, and you should be able to tell in the investigative interview if they did a good investigation or not, as far as the investigative interview is concerned. The questions asked while you're sitting there. I can sit in an investigative interview where they're asking questions. I'm just laughing, giggling, writing down 
you're not getting anything in this investigative interview. You've got to be able to look at that investigative interview and tell that these people didn't do a good job. In that one where they say, are you aware that you're not supposed to do these things? That should show you there they're not doing a good job. They never asked her if she did them. And we never catch that. I've got a, a step four I'm going to read to you. But I have, and, and it's going to deal with what I'm fixing to talk about. But this is another one. I talked in an earlier episode about accusatory eyes, right? Don't let management ask accusatory questions in the II. Stop them from doing that. And stop the carrier from answering those, right? I, had, I was assigned as, a, as an outside steward to go to a different in, uh, station in my installation. Had to go represent this gentleman. And so I've never seen this supervisor before. Didn't know her from Adam. So I sit down and, and you know, we're small talk and everything. So she, the, the carrier, she starts asking questions and she's like, did you work on such and such date? And he said, yes, I did. Did uh, station manager so-and-so approach you about this certain situation? Yes, she did. Then she asked this, why did you choose to create a hostile working environment when the manager simply asked you to do this? I said, hold up, <laughs> hold, hold up just a second. We're not going to answer that. I said, that, that's accusatory. I said, you're not going to ask an accusatory question of the gentleman. I said, we've not even established if he created a hostile working environment. You never asked him if he did. You're saying, why did you? I said, you can't, you can't ask that. So she tells me, this is my investigative interview, and I'll ask what I want to. I said, that's fine. She asked him again, why did you choose to create a hostile working environment when the station manager asked you that? So I just simply looked at him, and I said, hey, don't answer that. <laughs> so he's looking at me like, what? I said, don't answer that question. We're not going to answer accusatory questions. This, you ask whatever you want to, but he's going to answer whatever he wants to. And he's not answering that one. I said, so go on to your next question. She said, well, this investigative interview is over with. I said, well, I said, that's not very complete. I said, but we'll take it. So she starts asking him some. I said, hold on just a second. I said, you're not going to talk to this man anymore because you just said the investigative interview was over with. I said, Mr. So-and-so, let's go. So we leave. They never issue him discipline. But I've got this step four, and, and you need to have this when you have accusatory questions and the shop steward gets involved, okay, because it protects the carrier and the shop steward. It's M4, it's M01668, 01668. And what this is is an NLRB decision, okay, and, and it starts on page seven. And I'm going to read, it's, it's a long section, but I'm going to read it to you because it talks about this very thing, accusatory questions in an investigation. Because remember, it has to be thorough and objective, right? The, the investigative interview has to be thorough and objective. If you're asking me accusatory questions, it's no longer objective because you've accused me of something before you've even done the investigation. It's no longer uh, objective, all right? So here's what they say. In the United States Postal Service... A union steward did not participate as a silent observer during an investigative interview. 
During the beginning of the interview, the steward asked the manager questions about his investigation into the alleged misconduct. While the manager answered the questions, he asked the steward to refrain from interrupting and to permit the employee to answer the questions directed to her. Later in the same interview, the steward again interrupted with challenging questions, and the manager again asked him not to interrupt. In all, the steward spoke up three times during the interview and was accused of interrupting the interview in each instance. The judge concluded that the steward's interruptions did not appear to be those of an obstructionist, but rather reactions to the manager's accusations that the employee had engaged in unlawful conduct. Man, that's beautiful right there. The judge went on to note that the steward seemed to be trying to participate and to assist and protect the employee. That's exactly what we're in there for, to protect our brothers and sisters. The judge also noted that the steward's efforts were low-key and conciliatory. The board affirmed the administrative law judge in finding that the employer denied the steward the right to participate in the employee's interview. Thus, while the facts of this earlier case are not totally analogous to the facts herein, the conduct of the two stewards is similar. As pointed out by counsel for the general counsel, Cook's answer to Miranda's question could have triggered a termination. He had already acknowledged that he was aware that he left DPS mail at the postal facility and he had opted to finish his route without going back for the mail. Had he then acknowledged that he was aware of the penalty for willfully delaying the mail, he may have put himself in an indefensible position. As it turns out, he didn't really answer Miranda's questions and he simply pointed out that other employees had also left the mail behind. Daly's interruption, however, appeared to be an attempt to assist Kutch and to protect him from unwittingly admitting to something that could trigger his discharge. Kind of similar to what I was doing with the young man at that other station. Additionally, because of her particular wording or phrasing, listen to this now, Miranda could have elicited an erroneous answer to her question, asking Kutch if he were aware of the penalty for willfully delaying the mail as much akin to the age-old loaded and misleading question, are you still beating your wife? Inasmuch as Miranda acknowledged that if Kutch answered yes, she wouldn't have understood his response to mean that he had willfully delayed the mail. It is reasonable that Daly would have wanted to assist Kutch in responding to his potentially incriminating question. That's, that's similar to what happened in that arbitration I had. Are you aware that you're not supposed to drink alcohol, beverage, while on duty? Yes. And then they accuse them or find them guilty of that without asking them that they actually did it. Also, accusatory questions. That's what that protects us from. That's very good language. Use that, okay, if you're dealing with those two things. Here's another thing. And this is one. I wish I knew the B team member for us that did this because I'd love to call them and give them a piece of my mind. But here in my installation, there's a bad problem with managers. And I talked about this in an earlier episode where they will after the investigative interview, write their own questions and answers down. And that's when I was talking to you about make sure you write verbatim what is asked and what is said, because here they'll just write in additional questions and answers after the I.I. So when you get it and you're lucky, you're like, hang on, that was never asked and that was never answered. We had that here. So now your investigative interview is no longer objective. Right, because you have chosen to interject things in there that were never asked about and were never answered. 
So it's no longer objective. So that violates that just cause principle. There's nothing lower than that. Then, then my day in court, you're going to come in there and, and put your own questions and answers down. There's nothing more unethical than that. Well, our B team here was overwhelmed, so they sent this case up north. And that's all I'll tell you, up north. And they say, well, the carry admitted to it, but we'll mitigate it down because he's got a good record to what I think it was a year or something like that. That is complete horse crap. That B team member for us should be ashamed of himself for doing that. I don't care what the carrier said. When that management chose to put questions and answers in there that were never asked and never answered, that is a violation of that just cause provision. You better let that go to arbitration so an arbitrator can throw that out. Man, that is low down to do your brothers and sisters like that. That is low down. I don't know if you're listening. <laughs> I don't. Uh, but i tell you that you're low down for doing that. You're sorry. That is sorry, man. To let a manager write a questions and, and, and answers that were never asked about and never answered is as common and pathetic as it gets. And shame on you for doing that to your brothers and sisters, man. That's pathetic. But anyway, if that happens, if you see that, raise hell about that, okay? And your contentions that is no longer objective. Management has chosen to put things in the investigative interview that were never asked about and never answered. And that violates that just cause principle. Was a thorough and objective investigation completed? Thorough means complete with regard to every detail not superficial or partial, okay? Complete with regard to every detail. So the investigation is not just the investigative interview. The investigation is the to total package from day one to the, to the requesting of the discipline. What have you done to investigate? If it's an accident, what did you do? If it's something to do with mail thrown away, what did you do? It's the total investigation. It's not just the investigative interview, okay? Objective, not influenced by personal feelings or opinions or opinions in considering and representing facts. All right, that's what objective means. When, when you do your contention, if you have a little template, write the definitions of those down. When I do an opening statement, I'll define and get the definition meaning of words, and I'll write that down for the arbitrator. But write down thorough and objective uh, we've got new panels here of arbitrators, so I tell my formal A's, make sure that everything is, uh, I mean, we're beating everything to death as far as contract language, as far as meanings of words. They're very smart people, but I always want my stuff to be pristine. Lastly, and, and here's, here's, here's the, what I was talking about, explicit, okay? Um, and I'll tell you, I'm, I'll give you forewarning before I'm, I'll read the charge in case you want to fast forward it. But here is a case I had, it was a removal of a gentleman. He's a veteran and uh, it was in another state and I get the, uh, the packet and I notice a major problem, major problem with the investigative interview and then the charge, a huge problem. And so in the arbitration, I'm going against a very good friend of mine. He was very good. 
I start asking the manager and the supervisor, did they feel like they did a thorough, uh, a complete investigation, very a thorough and objective investigation? Yes, we did. And I was going to try to slide it in there like that. And so I start asking her questions based off of this investigative interview and the charge. It was never mentioned. And the other advocate, he objects. And he says, hang on just a second. This is, this is the first time we're hearing of that. That was never asked about or never addressed in the informal or formal. And so the arbitrator, who me and him, we, we, we go to, to war against each other. He asked me, he says, Corey, he said, Does, was it mentioned? I said, are you talking about was just cause mentioned? I said, I believe it was. I said, if you turn on page one of the contentions, I believe it talks about just cause and goes down the just cause principles. No, is this specifically asked about? I said, do you mean was just cause specifically asked about? I believe because all discipline, it must have just cause. It doesn't matter at what point in time. If you don't have just cause, you don't have discipline, right? Uh, we dress just cause. I'm telling you, if you were in there, if you, I've got a, a friend of mine. If you ever want to question what went on, you can ask him. We got down. I'm talking about five minutes of me and this arbitrator going at each other. We were, I mean, we were in each other's ass. And so I'm furious. And, uh, and, I, and I'll show you what he, he wrote about that argument. But here was the scenario. This is what happened. A letter carrier's out on the back dock loading his parcels. And the supervisor comes out there and he starts kind of chiding and braiding him. Why are you out here doing that? You know you need to be in here doing this and that. So the carrier, he goes off, and he, he cusses him out. So the station manager, she comes out, and he goes off on her. He cusses her out too. And so in the investigative interview, this is what they ask. They said, did you work on such and such date? Yes, I did. When you're on the back dock loading up your parcels, did supervisor so-and-so ask you to go back inside? Yes, he did. Did you curse him at that time? Yes, I did. Did the station manager come out and ask you to quit cursing? Yes, she did. Did you curse her out? Yes, I did. Why did you curse those two people out? And he gave his reason. That was the investigative interview. Okay? Here's the letter of charges. Now, this is explicit. This is what I'm talking about. So, y'all, if, if I'm telling you, if... Foul language bothers you, please fast forward about 30 seconds or 40 seconds. I'm telling you. I'm telling you now. Okay? Uh, it's very explicit. I'm, I'm going to warn you again. Fast forward about 30 or 40 seconds. Okay? If, if foul language bothers you. All right? And I know it does some people. Here's what it states. Getting into it. Charge. Unacceptable conduct. Now, remember the questions asked. Did you curse them? Okay, that was his opportunity to defend himself against the charge against him. Here's the charge, unacceptable conduct. Specification, on February 8, 2019, you made improper intimidating statements to your supervisors and you conducted yourself in an intimidating manner implying potential bodily harm. Background, you're a city carrier at this post office located in this state. You entered on duty with the Postal Service June 24, 2006. 
On February 8, 2019, you were loading your parcels at the dock location of this post office when the supervisor came out and instructed you to come back inside and case your mail. You became argumentative and asked Supervisor Hamilton what difference it made if you loaded your parcels first or cased mail first. He instructed you again to stop loading your parcels and come inside and case your mail. You quickly approached Supervisor Hamilton, took off your sunglasses and hat, and stated, Don't fuck with me, you bitch, you punk-ass bitch. I came outside and instructed you to calm down to which you told me, Mind my own damn business. I told you this was my business, and I needed to know what was going on. You stated, Bill told me that he don't want me to load my packages first, and I asked him what's the difference. I tried to explain to you that was not the procedure, and you needed to follow instructions. You replied, fuck your instructions. There ain't no difference in my loading packages now or later. I told you, yes, there was, and if you couldn't follow instructions, you needed to clock out and leave the premises. I was pointing my finger at you while I was talking to you, and you stated, I ain't going nowhere, you punk-ass bitch, and don't point your damn finger at me. Both you motherfuckers can go to hell. I will take that finger and ram it up your ass. You then moved towards towards me and stated to Supervisor So-and-so, I'm tired of that punk-ass bitch, and I'll handle that motherfucker too. And that was the, that was the charge. Now, do you feel like that gentleman was given an opportunity to defend himself against that charge with what was said, what was asked of him? Do you feel like when they said, did you curse him, that he was given an opportunity to defend himself against that? There's a difference. Me cursing somebody and that. Do you feel like that was a thorough investigation? I don't at all. We never raise that contention. We never address it. To me, you should have asked him verbatim if he stated that right there. Did you state that you was going to do this to me? Did you state that, that he was this and he was that? He was never given an opportunity in his day in court to defend himself against the charges being brought against him. And here's another part of the investigative interview that we didn't catch. And this is on the same charge. And after all of that, it talks about him cussing. It goes on to state this. I conducted an investigative interview with you on February 11th, 2019. Listen to this. Also present at the interview were M. Pooh, John Doe, and union representative Jane Doe. You did not provide justifications for your actions, and you did not dispute what happened on February 8, 2019. Now, of course, they never asked him about what happened on January on, on February 8, 2019. They just asked if he cussed. He was never given an opportunity to defend himself against that. But with that being said, M. Pooh, John Doe, and Union Representative James Doe. Do y'all know who M. Pooh, John Doe was? He was the concurring official. He was the concurring official. I conducted an investigative interview with, on, with you on February 11, 2019. Also present at the interview were M. Pooh, John Doe. So the concurring official sat in on the investigative interview. That's as big a due process violation as you'll ever find because he's the one who's going to take this and supposed to be an independent review. 
uh, a neutral set of eyes on this. And he sat in on the investigative interview, and now he's concurring on the discipline requested. That was never addressed. That was never addressed. And, and that's another thing that me and the arbitrator got into about due process. Because we missed that. That the concurring official sat in on the investigative interview. We, we never caught that. that that's, those are things that are elementary. Elementary. When you get that request for action and you see concurred on by Impu John Doe, well, hell, John Doe sat in on the investigative interview. That's a procedural due process violation right there. But, and here's what the, now, the arbitrator brought him back, <laughs> but, but uh, here's what he stated about that. And, and they also had all those contractual languages in there, all those ELM provisions that they never asked him about, and, and that was objected to. And here's what he stated. The union raised several due process claims at the hearing. However, there was no indication that those arguments were brought forth during the grievance process. The union contends that due process is part of just cause. That may be the case, but the union is required by Article 15, Section 2, Formal Step A, to make a full and detailed statement of the facts relied upon. That is the only way in which the Postal Service may consider and possibly agree with the union's contentions. Arbitration is not the forum to raise due process issues for the first time. The only claim that was raised in the grievance process was that of disparate treatment. And so those two extremely powerful arguments, we were not allowed to get into arbitration because they were not raised at the, at the lower steps. Man, those are, those are killers. Killers. I'm telling you, hey, folks, pay attention to those investigative interviews and make sure that the charge and that investigative interview go hand in hand. The things on that investigative interview had better been asked about in that charge. Do not let them lead a carrier in an investigative interview. Do not let them make accusatory questions or ask accusatory questions of that carrier in the investigative interview. Look at that investigative interview, compare it to your notes, make sure that they're the same, that they're not adding or taking away. It has to be thorough and objective, right? Now, I do have some sites where arbitrators say you can raise procedural due process at, at the arbitration for the first time, and that's for arbitrator, that's for advocates. And I'll get into that when I get into the arbitration. That'll be... I don't know how many episodes later that'll be, but when I get into the arbitration section of, of my podcast, I'll give that. But I do have some good sites where our arbitrators say, yeah, you can raise procedural due process arguments at, at arbitration because just like I told the arbitrator, hey, look, you don't have just cause, you don't have discipline. It doesn't matter when I bring that up. If I can show you that this discipline failed in meeting just cause, then you must deny this discipline. You must sustain the grievance, Right. I hope this has helped y'all. It's been a little lengthy, but uh, it, it, a thorough investigation, that is huge. It, and, it, and it's total. It's everything. Everything that they do must be thorough. Uh, I had a, a rollaway once. It was out of my station. A young lady was delivering, and she legitimately had her key in her hand when the vehicle took off down the street because there was a customer right there chasing it with her, and when they get there, she's like, I want you to see this. Now, here's my key. Uh, the, the steering column and all that stuff 
had malfunctioned. So, of course, they come out there, they put her on emergency placement, and they remove her. They, they do nothing. Matter of fact, they lie about it, but they do nothing with the vehicle or to show that the vehicle had been repaired. I did all of that myself. Uh, I asked for the maintenance log of this vehicle. Uh, they sent it to me. This vehicle, after it had a rollaway, they sent it to Ford. So I called Ford Motor Company, and I remember speaking to this man. And I'm not going to say his name, but I even remember his name. This was years. This was probably 10 years ago. I remember speaking. To, I remember this man's name. And uh, he told me, he said, yeah, that vehicle is in here. We replaced the entire steering column, blah, blah, blah. I said, can you send me the bill that you sent the post? Yeah. It's like $750. So when we get to the hearing, I was the a witness, uh, another gentleman. I wasn't an arbitrator. I'm an advocate at the time. But we showed that we were the only ones who did a thorough investigation. Management didn't. She had a rollaway. She's on EP. She's removed. That was it. <laughs> that's, that's all she got. So the union was the one who got in there and shown all these things. You know, the vehicle is malfunctioning. We even had the vehicle at the at the uh, post office, and I had a carrier get in there and show the, the uh, supervisor of the vehicle maintenance how easy it was to move it in and out of park and drive while there was no key in it. And he ended up lying in a statement saying that uh, we did it with great force, which he did it with two fingers. So he lied. And uh, But anyway, everything like that deals with investigation. Every every facet of discipline, if it's uh, drug-related, if it's uh, vehicle-related, if it's attendance-related, make sure that the total investigation was thorough and objective, not just the investigative interview, okay? Uh, but I hope that that's helped you. Very lengthy, sorry. But it's very important, thorough investigation. It's two parts, thorough and objective. Make sure we're getting that right, okay? Again, I apologize for the language. Uh, hopefully that, that didn't offend you too much, and that's the reason I told you it was explicit. The next episode we're going to be dealing with the severity of the discipline reasonably related to the infraction itself and in line with what usually administered, as well as to the seriousness of the employee's past record. We'll get into that one next. Y'all take care of yourselves, all right? Take care of your brothers and sisters, man. That's what you've chosen to do. And I thank God for you for doing it. Man, we need more people like you. We're, we're short-handed. I know in this region we're short-handed. Uh, people not wanting to step up. Step up and help your people. And, and be, be that, that shop steward that is aggressive uh, in what you do. And take pride in that, man. Take pride in it. nothing greater, you know. When, when all is said and done and we go to where we're going to go to at the end of the day, uh, what did you do when you was here? What did you do, you know? Be a person that can, people, when, when they talk back and they say, hey, man, that dude right there, man, all of these people right here are still working because of, of his efforts or her efforts. Uh, be that person, man. Take pride in your stuff, all right? Y'all have a blessed rest of the day. Hope y'all enjoyed this one. Very lengthy, but uh, very necessary. Y'all take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you on the next episode. All right? Bye-bye.